From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation in technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. Chris Romano believes that even a half century of rebuilding and redeveloping one of Minneapolis's most dense and diverse neighborhoods is only a beginning. In January, Romano moved into the executive director's position with Seward Redesign, a neighborhood-based community development organization that just celebrated its 50-year anniversary. The nonprofit recently secured tax increment financing for the planned 32-unit Wadog Commons and the 128-unit Bessemer Apartments, which will be the first market-rate apartment developed in Seward in 40 years. The $43 million set of projects, which are part of the multi-phase Seward Commons, are some of the most ambitious Seward Redesign has tackled in terms of size and for whom they are being built. The Seward neighborhood, which is bounded by Tony Homes on the West River Parkway, housing occupied by recent immigrants on its north edge, and a burgeoning retail district along Franklin and Hiawatha Avenues, is anything but homogenous. Romano sat down with reporter Matt Johnson earlier this month to talk about his new role and what he likes to do when he's not at work. Chris Romano, thank you for sitting down with Finance and Commerce this morning to tell us more about your new role. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Happy to be here. You've been working in the economic development and community building sphere for some time. Tell us about your background and how that led you into property development and construction. Um, you know, my, my, my passion and um, experience um, and excitement has really aligned around this industry of, of community-based economic development. And that's, that's where I've spent most of my career. You know, I, I spent some time overseas doing small business development work in Latin America. Um, I was the executive director of a, a, a community development corporation on St. Paul's West Side, which is actually south of downtown, um, that worked with micro-entrepreneurs and helped businesses get started, um, ran a, a business loan program, and we did some commercial real estate work as well. Um, so that, my, my excitement and um, really what intrigued me about the job at Redesign and what brought me here is uh, my belief in community-based economic development as a way to provide uh, voice to community, as a way, way to provide opportunity to community, especially those that have been um, maybe more underserved or marginalized, and, and really a way for community to, be, to become the vision that it, that it has for itself. Um, and I've, I've taken a couple of detours along the way. I, I um, um, spent seven years in a Fortune 300 financial services company here in Minneapolis called Thriving Financial, um, who also happens to be a nonprofit with a small mission, a strong missional connection, which is um, what intrigued me about working at Thriving. But I had the chance to kind of hone my business acumen in a very competitive, fast-paced um, business environment with a whole lot of rigor, and and I think that experience um, at Thriving has um, brought a level of 
of business acumen and business skill that now I can apply to the work that I, I love. Um, I left Thrivent and spent um, a short stint as the chief operating officer of the Center for Economic Inclusion. Um, the, 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 the work around diversity and inclusion is, is dear to my heart. That's been, I think, signature throughout my entire career. Um, and I bring that to, to redesign as well. There are, there are, um, there's a broad and diverse community that represents the Seward neighborhood and then some of the adjacent neighborhoods where we do work, including um, Corcoran and Longfellow and Standish Erickson. And, and um, I see part of redesign's mission and purpose is to uh, both provide opportunity and provide voice um, to those immigrant communities. Sewer Redesign has been uh, at work in the Seward and Longfellow neighborhoods since 1969. After 50 years of this work, what, what are the remaining critical redevelopment needs uh, in these communities? And you know, might there be a point at which Seward Redesign might have completely fulfilled its mission? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great way to frame a question, Matt. And, and here I am two weeks in, I'm trying to figure some of that stuff out, I, I think, for myself. What I will tell you is, um, you know, I think Redesign and maybe organizations like Redesign um, have have um, plucked the low-hanging fruit in some ways. Um, we've done the work that's maybe a little bit easier to get going. Um, we've um, established a healthy and vibrant and diverse commercial corridor. You know, you drive down down Franklin Avenue, and it's it's a fun place to be, and it's a diverse place to be, and it's a place that actually serves the folks that live in the the, the Seward community. Um, if you if you um, compare our commercial corridor with commercial corridors of neighborhoods that don't have an organization like Redesign, I, I think there's a marked difference, and that that difference I think is reflective of the work that we do and the impact that we've had. Um, outside of that, the, that kind of maybe more low-hanging fruit, there are some of these big and gnarly um, uh, development projects that are left. And the reason they're big and gnarly and they're still there is because they're incredibly hard and they take a long time. And the, 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 um, um, Capitalism is is kind of doesn't isn't an appropriate fix for some of these things because there's not a whole lot of money in it and um, it takes investment and it takes multiple funding sources and it takes um, you know government and private investment and um, community voice to actually make these larger more gnarly um, uh, uh, redevelopment sites a reality and that's the work I think that that Seward is well equipped to do and so I know Matt you followed our work through Seward Commons you know which has been an ongoing multi-year project um, blighted space industrial space contaminated space um, that now we have um, had huge success in de developing into um, affordable housing projects, uh, commercial revitalization, commercial uh, uh, development projects, and now um, kind of the last piece to that is a more market rate project that we're close to but we don't have completed yet. And and we believe as an organization that a mixed income environment is what's best. I mean, you, you want to provide housing for folks who don't have other housing options. You also want to provide uh, market rate housing um, so you have a nice blend and mix of people coming together in community. Um, and you want folks living in the community that also um, have um, some disposable income to support the local businesses here. Um, it's hard to be a small business in this age of online shopping and everything else. And, and so we need to come together as community members to support the businesses that make our community vibrant. So um, some of those big, big, um, tough remaining projects, I think, are key for, 
for redesign. I'd love to look back one day and say our, our work is done. Um, um, and maybe we will, you know, we're not at that point now. Um, um, and maybe the last thing I would say, Matt, you know, there's a piece of community development that's around um, real estate development and um, providing housing and providing uh, business opportunity. There's also a component, uh, huge components to community development around um, uh, helping a community feel safe and uh, making pedestrian friendly and bike friendly and walk -a, walkable neighborhoods. Um, there are components that align to things like public art and the, the design of public space. There are infrastructure um, questions. You know, how do you how do you direct traffic? How do you um, um, how do you do pedestrian crossings? How do you how do you use publicly owned space? And so those components of community development will probably always be there, even if you got to the point this kind of mythical point at some at some point in the future where the real estate um, um, work was was more completed. Just to uh, focus in a little bit more on, on sewer commons. Yeah. Um, as you said, you've got your really it's your, your first major multifamily uh, developments going up there. One piece is affordable, one piece is market rate. Yep. Um, this, these projects are a little behind other station stops on the blue line. Um, you know, why is this taking longer uh, at this particular spot at the Franklin Station? And you, what are the opportunities and lessons learned perhaps from those other stations that you might be able to apply here as you continue this project. Yeah, I you know I don't know if it's behind or, or even why um, um, the work would would be behind. I know that they're challenging sites, and maybe maybe um, because of that industrial zone, um, maybe because of um, some of the issues related to contamination of the properties. Um, Maybe that makes makes it harder than than, than at other points. Um, I think we've also had this strong commitment to the. I talked about it before, but um, you know, um, mixed income of folks that are living in community, and so it's not only about um, um, affordable housing. It's a blend of affordable housing and market rate housing, and 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 doing projects like that um, require different types of funding sources, and so there's a the there's a complexity that's brought into it when you have a commitment to a, um, a, a building a community that's um, not only diverse culturally and ethnically, but also diverse from a socioeconomic perspective. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a huge opportunity around this particular station, just given its close proximity to downtown Minneapolis. Um, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a diamond in the rough. Um, and we're close. You know, this last piece, not only does it have an affordable housing, uh, uh, a market rate housing component, there's also an affordable housing component um, that, that we're looking at through a, a really unique, um, culturally relevant lens. And so how do you actually do new, new, new construction um, of, uh, of, of apartments that are done with um, taking into account some of the needs of different immigrant communities that, that you know, might be different than than somebody's needs who is, is not part of that community. So we're excited about it, and I think we're close even on this last step. We're on, you know, there's been three or four um, phases of the Seward Commons project, and this is really the last big one. Turning to uh, the personal, you know, what do you like to do in your time away from work? What are your activities, your hobbies, what do you do with your family? 
Um, yeah, thanks, man. You know, we live in South Minneapolis. So I don't live in um, Seward, but I live in Sandish Erickson, which is a couple of neighborhoods away. So um, we're committed to the to the community. You know, I love living in Minneapolis. I love the green space. Um, we have three kids, um, a 12-year-old daughter and two 10-year-old boys, and spend a lot of time on the in the parks and at the lakes. Um, Northern Minnesota is kind of a special place for me, and so um, we spend significant time up uh, in the Ely area. Um, I like to fish, um, like to camp. Boundary Waters is a is a calling for me. Um, I have strong uh, and deep connections personally and also professionally in our um, Latino um, immigrant community, so I spend time um, um, in those communities as well as as a place kind of a, a, a community that helps me relax and feel grounded. Um, my family's in town for the most part, so family time's important to us, and um, we're close with, with uh, parents and siblings, so at this point, that probably keeps me busy enough. <laughs> um, and do you have any particular words or sayings you like to live by uh, that kind of describe how, how you come out, what you do? Um, I would speak to leadership. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much written about leadership um, and the importance of leadership. And it's when you read the, the blogs or you read the books or the bestsellers, I mean, the, the concepts are actually quite simple. And to me, a big component of leadership is being able to lead other people. And at the end of the day, um, you could be the most dynamic and, expire, and inspiring um, leader if you're not able to compel other people around you to do um, um, strong work and high caliber work. There's a, there's a limit to what you're able to accomplish. And I truly believe, especially in this field, that being able to... Um, uh, empower and inspire those around you to be strong um, is the key to success. Um, um, otherwise, you just, you know, if you're kind of trying to do it by yourself, you run out of capacity. And, and a big part of that to me is being a, um, a strong and committed um, listener. I think listening is a skill that we've, that, that, that has fallen by the wayside, I think, as you think about, um, you know, uh, examples and role models at the national level or even at the regional level and 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 being able to be attentive and, and listen well to people around you and respond to that I think is a great leadership skill and one that I think collectively we don't always use to its best potential um, there's a, a little saying that it's kind of a question that says what what did the wise man say um, and the answer to that is nothing and 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 um, the reasoning there is, you know, the wise man is wise and they're actually listening as opposed to always talking. So I try to, I try to embrace that, that value and, and, and bring that into the way that I lead. Well, Chris Romano, thank you again for sitting down and speaking with us today. And good luck with your new position. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce, or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.